0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to budget cuts, tonight's segment on Big Bottom Bowls by Kim Kardashian had to be cut. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, 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 it is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, and always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, and apparently I've got a frog in my throat. throat) There we go. On tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show, hey, so, in pipe parts, you got a pipe and you want to get rid of it. I'm going to give you the nuts and bolts of, uh, of how to get rid of a pipe that you have that you don't want anymore. Then my guest tonight is uh, Jeff Steinbach. Jeff is the owner and uh, chief uh, tobacconist of Yulee's Tobacco Company and is also a uh, board member of the National Association of Tobacco Outlets, better known as NATO. So we'll talk to him. We're going to talk to him about uh, some FDA stuff and, uh, and uh, the history of Yulee's. So we'll have some good and we'll have some bad in there. Then we've got music, mailbag, and rant—all that coming up for you on this wonderful evening of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Uh, so, this past weekend, I did get a chance to uh, get in some racing and go to the uh, <laughs> go to the uh, Sprint Cup All Star Race here at uh, Charlotte. Um it was kind of fun because uh apparently the format had been chosen by the drivers on how they were going to uh how they wanted to break up the segments and this that and the other. Well, my only complaint is that uh well, two complaints. One, it rained so it washed out the qualifying which this qualifying is a lot of fun because they do two laps, and in between that, they've got to do a full-speed run down pit road, come in for four tires, change, and get out. Uh, so that's a, that's always fun to watch. But they canceled it because of rain. And uh, two, well, apparently... Um, the rules were so complicated that the drivers didn't quite understand them all, and there was a lot of confusion on how things were going to happen because of the special rules package that was agreed upon by the drivers that hadn't really taken into, into effect every, uh, every aspect of what might happen in a race. So there were some questions going on, and uh, there were some uh, colorful comments on uh, the rules and how this race was uh, run but hey drivers you asked for it you got it that's your own rules uh, so there you go all right everybody fire up a bowl sit back relax thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company here we go We are back. I ran and got myself a fresh cup of coffee and got rid of that frog. Alright, so you've got pipes and you want to get rid of them. For some reason, they're they're not your style anymore. They don't suit your need anymore, whatever. You don't enjoy looking at them. It's time for them to move on and uh, time for you to thin your herd or whatever you're going to do. Alright, so the easiest way is a is to trade them in with a retailer that takes in estate pipes like smoking pipes does. And you get credit towards something new. Now they're going to give you a percentage of what they think they can sell that pipe for in credit towards a purchase. Or if you want cash, they're going to give you a lower percentage for cash. That's just a pure factual business deal. And it's very simple. Uh, couple of other easier ways to do it is some of the eBay consignment guys. Uh, Steve Fallon, for one. You send in the pipe, he puts it up on eBay, does all the work. All you do is get a percentage of what it sold for back. Uh, very clean, very simple. Now, are you going to get the most amount of money out of it on either of those two ways? Probably not. I'll give you a rough number example. Um, If you send the pipe to a consignment eBay guy, average is they're going to take 30% of the selling price as their commission. Now, out of that, they're paying all the fees for eBay and everything, and they're packing and shipping it and doing all that for you and doing all the photography. But if you have an established reputation on eBay, and you know how to photograph it and do it yourself, you're not going to have to pay him that thirty uh, percent. In my experience, if you sell a pipe on eBay versus trading it into a retailer, uh, you might make ten percent more than what you're gonna than what you're gonna get from the retailer because prices on eBay tend to be lower than what a reputable estate pipe retailer is going to be able to get for a pipe and the retailer is going to stand behind the pipe. So you just decide, do you want to do the work on eBay or do you want to have one of the eBay guys do it for you or do you want to trade it into a retailer? Well, now there's some other options for you. And this is where it, where some research on your part comes into place on what the value is of the pipe on the market, not what the value is of the pipe in your head. What the current value is on the pipe of the pipe on the marketplace now. Uh, say you want to trade it. You're a member of a pipe club and you want to do some horse trading with somebody in your pipe club. Well, you've got to know what the current value is for that pipe. Uh, best way to do that is to look at what's Selling on eBay. And again, remember when you're trading person to person, eBay is probably your best barometer for pricing. Or if you've got a pipe and you've seen it sold on one of the estate retailers, back that percentage down by 20-25%. And that's probably what it's worth person to person. Uh, but no again, know what the value is of your pipe on the marketplace not the value in your head other option if you get a chance to get to a pipe show and you want to bring three or four pipes to sell yourself bring them carry them around show them to people when you sit down in a in the smoking tent or someplace like that pop them open and let people know that these pipes are for sale but again you need to know what the value is of the pipe on the marketplace Uh, The reason I keep emphasizing that is because some pipe brands ebb and flow with value. Uh, Some pipe brands get very hot. Some finishes get very hot within pipe brands or pipe makers get very hot. You just have to, you really have to know what the past six months to a year has looked like for that individual brand that you're selling. Um, if you've got enough pipes that you think it would be worthwhile, rent a table at a small show. Uh, rent a table at, at a pipe show, and just understand that you're not going to sell out everything, but you are going to, you know, you, you may, but odds are you're not going to sell out everything. But now you've got the cost of a night or two in the hotel, unless you live nearby a pipe show, plus transportation, plus the cost of the table rental. So some of those pipes that you sell, the first ones, probably just going to cover your costs. Um, Again, if you're going to a pipe show and you've got 6 or 10 or 12 pipes or whatever, and you want to sell and horse trade them, know the value of them, and sit out in the smoking area with them, Carry them around, let people know that they're for sale. That's a simple way to move some of the pipes off. And while you're there, there may be some of the eBay sellers there, and there may be some retailers there that are willing to take a pipe in on trade. So there's some very simple nuts and bolts of how to get rid of a pipe that you no longer want to keep and you want to turn into real money. Um, Or maybe a new pipe. Or maybe some tobacco. Whatever you want to do with it. It's up to you. It's your pipe. don't need to have a reason to want to get rid of it. It just needs to move on to some place where it gets smoked a lot. All right. In just a minute, Jeff Steinbach will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio.
2: Craftsmanship, History. Tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Baron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is... uh uh jeff not only are you a tobacconist the owner and operator of a tobacco shop but you're uh heavily involved in one of the industry trade associations so we're gonna we're gonna get into a whole bunch of stuff with you but welcome uh jeff steinbach to the pipes magazine radio show well
3: thank you brian it's a pleasure to be here today
0: all right, so before we start talking about the fun stuff which is the uh, which is Uli's Tobacco Company and the history of the company and all the wonderful stuff, uh you've served for several years on the board of the NATO organization which is not the um not the military group in Europe but the yep. National Association of Tobacco Outlets. And uh, some people might have heard there's been a little bit of legislation announced or regulations announced recently. So with you and your uh, position on NATO, can we, uh, I I guess first let's, can you give us just a little bit of history on why the FDA is taking over regulating pipe tobacco?
3: Well, Brian, this this goes back to uh, 2007. And uh, it was introduced by, uh, the bill was introduced by Ted Kennedy and I I forget the other uh, legislator. Um, And it was to turn over control of of tobacco to uh, the FDA. Um, It was enacted in, now, the 2007 date is kind of important, February 15th, 2007, that's when it was first proposed. It became law in uh, 2009. Uh, What originally the FDA was regulating was cigarettes, uh, chewing tobacco, and roll-your-own tobacco. And subsequently, in 2014, they introduced the deeming regulations and expanded their uh, control to all tobacco, or actually nicotine, Nicotine products. So, uh, you know, that that includes, of course, pipe tobacco, cigars, little cigars, vaping, vaping pens, uh, nicotine gels, and a whole host of anything that contains nicotine.
0: So, any way we get that happy little uh, vitamin N, they want to keep an eye on.
3: Uh, You bet. (laughs) Uh, Now, their goal and it, it was publicly stated by Mitch Steller of the FDA he he's the head of the tobacco control unit um their their goal is actually a nicotine-free or a yeah, a nicotine-free generation uh which means prohibition yeah <laughs> so uh it's, that's what we're dealing with the, uh um, our Congress did not give them the authority to outlaw any segment of the tobacco industry. However, they do have the authority to re- regulate it out of existence. So that's what we're dealing with right now. Uh, and, and these deeming regulations are... They're pretty tough.
0: So what exactly does the uh, does the 2007 date mean to our pipe tobacco world
3: well basically what it means anything prior to that date is grandfathered in from uh, not from regulation but from the pmta or the the pre-market testing of the product uh, keep in mind uh now the fda claims it'll take per sku It'll take about 5,000 hours, man hours, to submit the applications for a product produced after 2007. Uh, they estimate the cost of about $330,000. That's a little low. The Wall Street Journal said it'll cost between a uh, million and two million dollars per SKU, per product, so, to get this on the marketplace.
0: So that means that uh, just for. For example, a uh, a, a McBaron product that we have that comes in a 50-gram tin and a 100-gram tin, those are two different SKUs, two different testing processes, two different introductions.
3: Uh, Yes. Uh, Even though it's the same product inside, it's two SKUs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what happens to the product that has not been... The, that was not on the market bef, uh before two thousand
2: and seven well basically you you e-
3: either have to go through the testing and application process or you have to pull it
0: and bye bye it goes
3: yeah yeah is it uh, the the problem with these regulations are completely un- unworkable i mean Especially for a small business like you, Lisa, you, you can't possibly conform to this. And even even being considered a manufacturer, uh, you can't possibly conform to their regulations.
0: Yeah, because that's the other side of it that I don't think we've touched on on the show at all. Is that uh, custom blended tobaccos in in shop custom blends or bulk tobaccos, as we call it? are essentially going to be removed
3: uh well yes now, in the 2009 act um matter of fact i have it right in front of me it's the section 905 annual under annual registration this is their description of a manufacturer uh, the term manufacture, preparation, compounding, or processing so include repackaging or otherwise changing the container, wrapper, or labeling of any tobacco product pack- package. Um, which basically means, let's say I get a five-pound bulk blend from you, and I take out an ounce and a half, and I call it Jeff's Blend. Well, I've just become a manufacturer. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: that's the end uh, of that.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you can't go any further. It, this is a, now the deeming regulations are in place. Uh, the effective date is August eighth of this year. Uh, but there are some things working that uh, can give you a little optimism. I mean, it's not all gloom and doom.
0: Yeah, what do we have? What What are we doing to fight this?
3: Well, the the first thing that needs to happen is a judge needs to stop this, and and then then we can go to work uh, as far as uh, contacting our legislators, and it not just your federal legislators, but even your state legislators. I mean, under the FDA regs, the states are going to lose a lot of money in tax revenue. Uh, they're it's also going to put a lot of people out of work. So the states have uh, a little skin in this game too. Um, but uh, the first step is getting this stopped, and that 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 that'll have to go, you know, through the legal channels.
0: And, uh, and the same the same thing is also affecting the uh, the the premium cigar business. So we've got a. We've got a partner in that group as well because they're looking at having to test, you know, uh, if they introduce one cigar line that's got four or five different shapes, each one is a completely separate testing and introduction as well.
3: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I mean, everybody in the, in this fight needs to fight together, including the uh, the vaping industry. Uh, there are also Regulated as tobacco, well, as nicotine, so they they fall under the FDA deeming regs. Now, it's particularly dire for that industry because there really wasn't anything prior to 2007. Yeah, <laughs> it's all new.
0: <laughs> so they got whacked harder than anybody else.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, and if you step back and look at What's happening? Um, And and this is my opinion on this. Uh, Back in 2007, uh, one of the big guys uh, was actually promoting the FDA regulations. Um, And I I think basically to be the last one standing, you know, if you can make the regulations so tough that everybody has to drop out, well, just the big boys will remain. That, they they might have changed that stance now, <laughs> seeing how it has come to fruition. But um, the other thing is, and particularly with the vaping industry, you have to look at who's against it. Well, you know, big big tobacco is in vaping, so they're really not against it anymore. Um, various states have started to tax it, so they're making revenue off of it. But their big um, adversary is going to be big pharmaceutical. If, you know, if you go into your drugstore and look at the display of uh, patches and gums and stuff, and look at the prices, there are big, huge margins on that. Um, and, you know, the vape is a, is a uh, tobacco replacement type product. So it's in direct competition with uh, Big Pharmaceutical now so, you turn over your regulations to the FDA there you, there you, and uh, well Big Pharma kind of sleeps with the FDA in my opinion so <laughs> they've got the perfect avenue of getting, getting that product off the market
0: is there anything that we as uh, consumers can do now
3: um Yes, uh, there's a number of sites. Uh, I think CRA came up with one to send petitions, and that's uh, that's a good way to start. You know, uh, it's primarily a cigar petition, but uh, you know, if you're
0: just a pipe smoker, go ahead and sign that one too, because we're all being regulated. And that's the Um, uh, that's the Cigar Rights of America group. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll put a link on the uh, on the show page for them.
3: Yeah, and they've got two uh, petitions. One to the your congressman, and one to um, the president. And uh, they're both important to sign. But uh, also, as a consumer, because, you know, quite quite truthfully, in the near future, we'll probably have to enlist the consumers in this as far as uh, getting to legislators, writing letters, calling. Um, and what, what's going to happen is, first, I believe, that a federal judge will put a stop to this, at least uh, temporarily, and then the work starts because we're going to have to change the law. Um, and one of the things that's already happened, that happened on May 10th, was uh, Nicopura Labs, which is a, a vaping company. Uh, they filed lawsuit in the in a federal court to uh, vacate and set aside the FDA deeming regs. Then, and, and this is important because they. They've got four arguments. Um, One of them, I think, is, well, they all have merit in reading them. Some pertain only to the vaping industry, but their third one, I think, is the most important one, and that's um, the deeming regulations overstate the benefits of the new regulations, fail to quantify the benefits of the new regulation, and this is key. They underestimate the tremendous cost to the industry and erroneously conclude that the regulation outweighs the cost. Um, I think that's a very good argument. I think it, when the FDA submitted this to the o- Office, uh, the OMB, I think they vastly understated the uh, the cost. Both in uh, employment and uh, taxation to the government.
0: So for the moment, Uh-oh. we uh, we wait for a lawsuit or two. In the meantime, we can uh, contact the White House, sign this petition, and uh, and also uh, send a send an email or a handwritten letter to our uh, members of the uh, U.S. Congress, explaining to them that we don't uh, that we don't think this is fair.
3: Yes. Yes.
0: So we'll, we'll do that. In the meantime, we'll take a break right here, and when we come back, we'll talk about the fun stuff because there's a ton of history in, in Yulee's tobacco, which goes all the way back to uh, happy days. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back Ooh, we in just a minute.
2: <laughs> if you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. Cup of Joe's.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. Cupajoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly pipes. Check out their remodeled website at Cupajoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, Cupajoes.com: Quality products at extraordinary prices. Italians have always
0: been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. Just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Jeff Steinbach, owner, operator, tobacconist, and uh, anarchist of the Yulee uh, Tobacco Company. Uh, Jeff, when did when did the company start? I mean, I mentioned Happy Days, but it was way before that.
3: Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, it was started by Jack Yulee in, in uh, downtown Milwaukee in 1939.
0: Wow. And has it always been in the same spot? Uh,
3: no, well, it's actually not. Uh, it was about a block and a half away from our current spot. Uh, we actually, it started across from the like Greyhound bus depot that was there at the time. Um, and Jack Eulie got into it kind of on accident. Um, he he started out. Uh, with a magazine stand at the in the Greyhound bus terminal across the street from it. And uh, he was doing quite well. Um, but what what happened, he'd get the deliveries of magazines and newspapers at night when he wasn't there and people would steal them. So he needed a place to store all this stuff. And uh, the gentleman who was across the street at that time had with a tobacco shop was going to retire So Jack went in and he bought the store. (laughs) And the owner said, well, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm just going to close it. I'm going to use it for storage. And he said, you can't do that. It's a great business. I'll I'll teach you pipe tobacco. So he he taught Jack Eulie about pipe tobacco and it turned into a passion for Jack. (laughs) (laughs) And he shut down the magazine stand and became a tobacco shop in 1939. So that's why some of our blends, you know, uh, like two fifty five, predates the actual opening of the Yule Tobacco. It, it, it was uh, that that blend was uh, uh, developed in nineteen thirty seven.
0: So that goes back to the previous owner. Yes. The previous previous owner. Because when do when do you and your brother get involved in the business?
3: My brother came to work for Jack when he got out of the Air Force in 1972, and I came to work in 74, Um, and Jack always wanted his name on the store, and he liked the idea of uh, two brothers owning it, so um, we we bought it from Jack in uh, 1982. Wow. Although Jack uh, stayed on for oh five years after that.
0: So what was the? I mean, going back to the to the early seventies, what was the the mixture of the product in the store? Was it primarily pipe and tobacco focused?
3: Actually, it was. I, I um, it was different back then. It, it, it was a it was a great time for pipe smoking. I mean, you had some. You had a lot of beautiful pipes. Um, you had Dunhills that were about thirty-five dollars. I mean, if you sold a Dunhill, that was a huge sale for the day. You had to tell Jack, "Hey, Jack, I sold a Dunhill." Um, <laughs> thirty-five bucks. Wow. And, and uh, oh, and the poundage was much higher. And at that time, we were selling our. Yulee product to uh, a lot of drugstores. You know, most drugstores were independent at that time, and went
2: uh, pretty much all over the state with our Yuli Yuli tobacco.
0: Yeah, so you had a, you had a wholesale business going, you had the retail business going, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then when does it? I mean, I, I know the answer and the cigar, you know, the cigar boom goes crazy in the early and mid nineties and then, uh, and pipes have slowly fallen off or become less and less popular. But are you, are you starting to see cigar or pipe interest pick up again in the store?
3: Yeah, it, 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 it that, that's a lot of fun. It's uh, you're seeing, you know, Old guys in their thirties now picking up a pipe and uh enjoying it becoming passionate about it and uh, you know you get the the guys beating here with their pipes and discussing blends and you know here try this one and stuff and so forth and, uh it's it's you you're seeing a passion nowadays that you haven't seen for for quite a while. And it, people are curious, you know. Oh, I'm a cigar smoker, but man, that guy looks like he's sure having fun with that pipe over there.
0: <laughs> uh, when you get a uh, when you get a relatively new pipe smoker, somebody who's brand new and interested in picking up a pipe, what kind of a pipe do you push them towards?
3: Well, I try not to get a bowl that's too small, and you you tell them that you know. It's not like a cigar. You smoke it and you throw it out. Uh, you want to pick the best pipe you can uh, because you're going to have it for a while. If you take care of a pipe, you have it for a lifetime. So, you know, I've got a drawer of pipes that, you know, quite truthfully, when I started out smoking a pipe, they were, you know, about cheap, and they sit in a drawer. I can't bear. I can't bring myself to to actually throw them out, which I probably should. But uh, (laughs) you know, it's just uh, that becomes a waste of money. The ones that I got that were the the best pipe I could afford at the time, I still have those and still enjoy them.
0: (laughs) And with your uh, with your tobaccos, where do you uh, where do you start somebody out? Well.
3: That's always a, a guess, uh, because what what you're guessing at, at is what their palate enjoys. But it, you try and, you know, I have the best success with, you know, an, an easier smoking aromatic. You, even if they smoke like, the strongest cigar in the store, you try and start them out a little bit lighter, something that you know will not have a, a will be something that won't be a sharp blend. Uh, a, just an easy small.
0: And tell us, uh, run us through some of your own, some of your house blends that are purely Yulee's unique.
3: Well, we have, oh gosh, I think about 27
0: different blends. All right, we don't have are... that much time, so run us through some of your <laughs> favorites.
3: <laughs> oh, are some of my favorites? Well... My per my personal favorite is one of our slowest sellers. <laughs> I like the 114, uh, which is our heaviest percentage of Latakia. Uh, the the reason is when I first started here at 19, I really didn't smoke a pipe, and Jack had me doing some doing the tobacco blending. And uh, I always looked forward to the day that we were we would blend 114 because you're up to your elbows in this great Latakia and the Turkish and the Virginias and a little bit of Perique. And man, I just love that aroma. So when I really started smoking a pipe, my my first blend was 114. <laughs> and it's got that kind of a delicious, almost uh, salty, smoky, rich flavor. Uh, I just... I to this day, I still like 114. Uh If I'm going to change it up some, a Bishop's Move I like. Uh, again, a very hearty English style. But I'll, I'll even uh, smoke, like, Irish Aromatic, which has a little key in it, but uh, Aromatic. Um, and if I want something completely different on the other end of the spectrum, like I'll, I'll smoke the Black Stoker which is our number one seller
0: and still the number one seller is an
3: aromatic oh absolutely yeah. you know the fire cured base and fairly aromatic very smooth and that, that's one that I you know a lot, of, a lot of times will recommend to a new smoker but I also go with go, go with the Hunt Club which is more Virginia based and um that's a that's a good one for the summertime. Because of your heavy lead Ikeas. Yeah, when it's ninety five degrees out and it's humid, a heavy lead IKEA just doesn't cut it. And that's why well, when I tone it down and go to some
1: like con club. Do
0: you find in the store that sales of certain styles of tobacco are more seasonal than others?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Your 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 heavy lead Ikea's of tail off in the summer when well, you know, they, they taste the best when it's cool and crisp outside and dry air, and I don't know, nothing, nothing like a, a smoky latakia plane.
0: And, uh, and what which kind of what kind of beer goes better with them? Because you're, I mean, right there in the middle of uh, Beer City, <laughs> USA. <laughs>
3: I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a beer drinker, Brian, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I get, you know, like a bold flavor, like the English wines. I, I usually go with a bold beer.
0: So, so no, no Schlitz for you?
3: No. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't had that uh, that's since the early '70s. I—I
0: I think um, thankfully they stopped making it.
3: <laughs> n- no, they actually brought it back. Oh Lord! What—what—what <laughs> what, what happened? They changed the brewing process on it in the in the '70s, and it, you know, I, I used to drink a lot of that, and then all of a sudden one day it was like, ah, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it kind of died off, and then they brought back the original recipe. I haven't tried it yet, though.
0: <laughs> uh, the uh, the website to check out all the tobaccos and see great pictures of the store is Yulee's U H L E S dot com. Uh, I mean, there's there's good blend descriptions too. I was enjoying reading them. Uh, one oh, yeah. of them, Hunt Club, actually made me hungry. So,
2: <laughs> thanks. <laughs>
0: Now I'm looking for dessert. Uh, Jeff, we'll we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. What is your favorite pipe?
3: The ones I keep going back to, I've got some that E. Andrew made that are just delicious.
0: And, and, uh, and what is your favorite tobacco?
3: I'd have, I'd have to say it's still blend one fourteen.
0: And what is your favorite drink?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a ginger ale person. That, there's one that comes out of Australia. And it's called ginger. It's ginger beer, but and I forgot the brand name of it. I get it at Costco. It's just.
0: Kind of sharp and spicy. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
3: I have to say a book.
0: Any any particular genres? Well,
3: I I like uh, more historical books. Like for right now, I'm reading um, uh, Tom Brokaw's book, The uh, The Greatest Generation. Fascinating book. I think it should be required reading for history courses.
0: And the last the last question is: uh, Do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory?
2: <laughs>
3: well, let's see. The death of my fa- favorite it isn't a favorite pipe memory. It's just a, kind of a bad pipe memory. <laughs> oh, no. Death of my favorite uh, Canadian Dunhill <laughs> where I was uh, out in Maryland and we were at a, at this uh, kind of preserve type park and uh, I was smoking my Dunhill. This is a dumb thing it happened about 30 years ago. Uh, so I was smoking my Dunhill pipe and uh, they had a rope that went across this uh, creek that you swing across the creek to the other side. So I thought, well, I could do that. It was pretty athletic. So uh, I decided to take a run with this, uh, jump on this rope and swing across the creek. The problem was I was swinging from the low side to the high side and didn't make it. Oh, no. And and, uh, as I got to the high side and didn't make it and started swinging back to the middle of the creek, the rope took the pipe out of my mouth and dropped it right in the creek. Uh-huh. So a nice warm pipe but a cold creek didn't, didn't mix real good. <laughs> Not only that, I had to, the rope stopped in the middle of the creek, so I had to get out in the creek, well, way down the creek to get my pipe. So that, that was one of my bad pipe memories. <laughs> it's just one of, one of the dumb things that you do in life.
0: I got one more question for you, so we ended on a more positive note. But what is a what what is a musky fisherman?
3: Oh, a musky fisherman—that's a guy that has a lot of patience. I, I love musky fishing. Um, the yeah, uh, the, the neat thing about fishing for musky: first off, you don't keep them; you just throw them right back. But it's it's a fish that when you get it in the boat, it still wants to bite you. And a lot of them are about four feet long and uh, pretty angry. So they're a lot of fun to catch.
0: So you go spend time out on the water trying to catch an angry fish that's going to try to bite you just to throw it back?
3: Yeah, it sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs)
0: Uh, well, all I'll say is, uh, Jeff, thanks. thank you very much for joining us. Again, the uh, website is yulees.com, and I guarantee you that if you get one of the pipe tobaccos from them, it won't bite you and you won't throw it back either. So, oh, yeah. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch, and if anything new breaks, we'll have you back on.
3: Well, thank you, Brian. We'll it's be, been a pleasure.
0: We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs>
2: Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? 4 stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from 4Noggins.com. is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. 4 for all of your pipes and tobacco needs.
0: This is Internet Radio. Jeff is one of those guys that is just—I mean, besides really smart, really passionate about what he does—and uh, you know, has carried on a long tradition. So, do check out their website, check out some of their tobaccos, and uh, hopefully, Jeff's right on uh, on how all this FDA stuff works out for us. All right, for music, we're going uh, back to. Chris Thiele because I found a song that I really like and it's from uh it's from the album that he did called bass and mandolin with Edgar Meyer and it's called the old beagle so here it is I like most about that is the way they recorded it as if you're sitting in front of the two guys playing their instruments and you're hearing predominantly one out of one side of your head and the other out of the other side. Kind of old school. But yet a little stereo pan in there for you just to modernize it.
1: Monday, You've got mail. Wednesday, You've got mail mail in the mailbag
0: let's see uh, Pappy Mac said like the music as for your rant you're a PC I'm a Mac I don't have the same problem I am not a PC by choice I'm forced this way uh, let's see Casey Ghost says well hum oh well Smeo Sato interview was somewhat difficult interview to follow it was somewhat difficult to follow as you had to listen to the translator get the answer and then listen to the answer and, of course, Mr. Sato was very was a very reserved speaker. Music music wasn't very good. <laughs> uh, PC problems can be a nightmare. Very funny, the joke at the end. Glad I got something in there for you, Dan, that you liked. Uh, Peckinpah Ombre said, I enjoyed the interview and thought it was quite unusual and very informative. The fact that the two pipes that Sato-san is holding in his hands in the picture above are pipes that I purchased made it all the more special. I'm a huge fan of his and now have eight of his pipes. All are just stagger, staggeringly beautiful and make me smile every time I pick one up. Uh, you know what? <laughs> it's funny. They make you smile every time you pick one up. Is uh, I think that's the X factor in the pipes. Um, anyway, he goes on to say they reek quality and you could tell from the interview that this man gives his all to every pipe he makes and it shows He surely is a model to which every pipe maker should aspire. That I can agree with. Uh, Dino says, Hi Brian, I appreciate that your guest list is, is, is as eclectic as your music choices. Over the years, those with whom you've had conversations have been from all over the pipe world, young and old, traditional and revolutionary, legendary and soon to be so. It is important for those new to the community to be aware of the people, ideas, techniques, and traditions that help nurture the present state of our pipe community so that they may build upon or react to that ethos. Uh, The fascinating conversations of the past few weeks with Peter Siegel, Andrew Marks, and tonight's guest Sato attest to the rich history and artistry which makes us such a special group, uh and the old farts and the fly and the fly fishing vests and the tattooed <laughs> braided beards can indeed work symbiotically <laughs> to continue to nurture our club. Thanks again for your own important contribution dino uh Dino you're welcome, and yes, you are right. us older guys can uh hang out with the young guys and Hey, those young guys are the—they're uh, the future of what's going to happen with this hobby, and if we don't have guys coming in to the hobby, nobody'll want to buy the pipes that we don't want to have anymore, and that's important. So, if you see a young bearded guy, nurture him. Uh, well, maybe not nurture him, but um, you know, at least be nice to him. Uh, let's see a couple other comments. Jeff says the bamboo is just beautiful. P. Russ Pat from Canada says this was a fun interview thanks to Brian Sato-san and Ryota for working so hard to bring it to us I particularly appreciated hearing the story of the lacquer and its effect on the final finish and benefits to the longevity of the pipe it was also cool to learn that much of the suishu that Sato-san uses was made by his father thanks for this one yeah you're welcome and this one was kind of self-serving because I'm such a fan and now when I look at my uh little pieces of suishu and know that they go back to sato's father and he's been holding on to those pieces all that time man that's uh that's some history there all right got any comments questions email me brian at pipes magazine.com or post them on the radio show page on pipes magazine.com uh while you're there you can also check out uh the pipe babes um which is just a fun diversion from looking at pipe guys in fly fishing vests. Alright, in just a minute, rant time.
1: I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell and Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series, the secret ingredient, is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Cowboy. Cowboy.
0: This is a wake-up call. Hello. Yes, I read the forums and I scan them almost every day. And I am shocked and appalled at the amount of forum posts that I have seen from members of the PipesMagazine.com forum and a couple others that had no idea that the FDA was even looking at pipe tobacco and and had no idea that this was coming. Where have you been, yes good morning wake up hello if you'd listened to the radio show two and a half years ago you would have heard us talk about it if you would have paid attention to a hobby that you love so dearly so dearly enough that you're actually on a forum dedicated to it you would have gotten involved earlier on and maybe just maybe we would have stopped this now that i've had jeff on i want to unload and say it is now time For every one of us to write a letter, a personal letter, write it, type it out, print it out, mail it, put a stamp on it and send it to each one of your members of the federal government and your local governments and let them know how this is an unfair attack on a niche hobby industry. That they're trying to lump in with a giant, mass-produced product. That's exactly what you need to tell them. Listen to what Jeff said. Listen to what I said. And wake up. Wake up. It's now time to write those letters. If you haven't written those letters yet, it is now time. This is just a warning that if we don't get off our butts now and write those letters... We stand zero chance of getting any support from any of our locally elected officials. Alright, make sure to write the letters. Don't just send an email, but actually type it up, address an envelope, put a stamp on it. Anybody that you can vote for, let them know. Let them know how this affects our own little hobby. And we need their help now. To save this little hobby of ours. Uh, there you go. Hey, got any comments, questions? Post them on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show page on PipesMagazine.com. Keep an eye on the forums. There's a lot of information there. There is still a lot more information to come out on the FDA. Uh, keep it. Keep tuned into the radio show, and as soon as concrete stuff comes out, I'll let you know. Uh, Tell all your friends about the Pipes Magazine radio show. Tell all your friends that smoke a pipe or a cigar to write those letters. Write those letters right now. Um, If you haven't, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. And with that, I will say thank you very much to Jeff Steinbach for joining us. I want to thank him again for all the work he's doing with the NATO organization uh, thank you all for tuning in, and until next time.
1: Clouds when we're together, just
0: sing a song and think about sunny
1: weather.
3: Happy
1: trails to
2: you, Bumba, we meet
0: John Seiler. John Seiler, please return to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Your car is double parked, and we miss you.